This presentation is from Design Leadership 2020. The afternoon session uh, kicks off with Cyril from Eubank. Uh, Cyril manages the design of uh, the experience design team at Eubank. Um, and uh, he'll be uh, talking to us about how you go about successfully onboarding into a design uh, leader role. So Cyril, thank you very much for joining us. Um, I will throw over to you. Thanks, Steve. Can you hear me well? I can hear you. I can see your slides. Beautiful. All's good. Over to you. So hi, everyone. Um, hope everyone is well and, and safe. Um, I'd like to start with a question in the chat uh, for, for design leaders. What do you most vividly remember from your first 90 days in your current role? So what do you most vividly remember from the first 90 days in your current role? Um, I'll start with the presentation and at the end of the presentation, I'll have a look at the, at the responses. Okay, so uh, four years ago, uh, I had the opportunity to lead a part of the human center design team at Westpac. And with hindsight, I think I could have been better prepared for my first 90 days into that role. Um, during those first 90 days, I faced some challenges um, and that actually got me interested in uh, how to optimize my next onboarding into a design leadership role. So today I work at Ubank. Um, I've been managing uh, a team of uh, experienced designers. Uh, I've been there for a year and a half uh, and I've inherited that team. It used to be seven designers and it has grown into 13. And I spent a lot of time preparing my onboarding this time. It, it was a totally different experience. So today I'd just like to share some of my learnings with you. Um, so this talk is about uh, optimizing uh, your own onboarding as a people leader. That's the perspective I'm taking. Uh, however, some of the tools and the principles I'm going to share with you today can be used when uh, you, for example, onboard your own design leaders in your team or if you need to align with your team at any time. And for this talk, I wanted to make sure that I was touching on the right, uh, the most relevant challenges that design leaders are facing or face during their, their first 90 days into a new role. And I struggled to find like some information online because it's quite a specific topic, right? Um, so I decided to put together uh, a survey um, and I managed to get 29 responses from uh, design leaders. Um, so it doesn't reach statistical significance, but I think it's good enough to give me a, an idea of the type of challenges uh, leaders are facing out there. So I managed to get uh, around 50% of Australian respondents and 30% uh, and from the states, uh, a good mix uh, of size of organization and um, uh, most of the people leader have been leading design team for less than 10 years. So today I'd like to talk about three things. Uh, three critical points to touch on during your first 90 days into a new uh, uh, leadership role. Uh, and they're not sequential. They can happen at various stages. First one is assessing your new environment. Second thing is to align with your people leader and your team. And the last one is to act start acting, get into actions. You'll notice that I won't spend too much time on the third one because during the first 90 days, it's mostly about assessing and aligning anyway. 
So let's start with the assessment. First, I'd like to recommend this book. Uh, it's called The First 90 Days uh, by Michael Watkins. Um, it's the Bible when it, for people leaders when it comes to onboarding into a new role. It's not specific to design leaders. Um, it's, it's for all people leaders out there, but a lot of the information that is actually in this book is relevant for design leaders. So I highly recommend uh, you to read it. In this book, Michael Watkins highlights five questions uh, to ask consistently all the key stakeholders um, in the organization. Those questions are very business oriented uh, and they work very well. Like uh, I use them at UBank and they work very well for me. Um, those questions are going to help you uh, understand if stakeholders actually align with the organization. Uh, they will also uh, help you understand who thinks in silos versus who thinks more broadly. And I've added, as you can see, a sixth question to, uh, to that list, which is uh, a question more design specific. Uh, it's uh, how would you rate the design maturity level of the organization and why? Now, I know that design maturity, the definition of design maturity can be a little bit vague or, or subjective sometimes, but that's exactly why I'm, I've asked that question, because I wanted to see how stakeholders um, uh, understand design maturity and the type of responses they will come, with, come up with. Then when I started at Ubank, I also um, put some time in my calendar to uh, learn about the business. Uh, when I say learn about the business, I mean obviously learning about the product, learning about uh, the culture, the organization structure, and so forth. But it's also about uh, trying to learn about how the business works, more like the cogs in the machine, if that makes sense. I'll give you an example. Uh, Ubank belongs to the NAB group, uh, NAB. So I needed to understand when I started how independent was Ubank from NAB. Who defines the strategy? How does projects get funded? What is the, the money life cycle of the organization? Uh, what are the key business milestones throughout the year? And so forth. Knowing all that helped me uh, make some better decision, more timely decision, uh, around when to ask for budget or ask for additional members in the team. So understanding the business is really, really important in my eyes. Okay, from the survey, 30% of respondents found aligning with key stakeholders to be very challenging. And the best way I personally find to align with key stakeholders is to turn them into design advocates. Uh, easier said than done. Um, but the best way I find to do that is actually to create value, to bring them value. So it's about talking their language and it's about understanding what's happening into their world. And that can take a bit of time. It's not like through one session that you're going to be able to achieve all that. But once you know that, once you know those two, uh, those two things, then you can uh, really start helping them uh, and making their life easier. And if you, at the end of the day, if you help, uh, someone, anyone, making their life easier uh, and you manage to use design-centered methods to do that, well, you're on the right path to turn that person into a design advocate. 
I came across that McKinsey survey a few weeks ago uh, and says that only a third of CEOs and the direct reports can uh, confidently state what a head of design is accountable for, which is, which is super scary. Um, but I guess that's the world we live in. Um, and, and that's directly linked to the design maturity level of the organization. Uh, and I believe it's something uh, that is um, this, the assessment of the design maturity level. It's something to uh, to do during the first 90 days in a, in a formal way. Um, there's a lot of design maturity models out there. Uh, so just pick the one that you you're the most comfortable with and you think is more relevant uh, to your uh, organization, I would say. Um, and doing that assessment will help you identify the design gaps. Uh, and, and will help you therefore build your design strategy moving forward. So there's two ways to do it. You can either do it on your own, uh, based on what you see, based on what you hear, uh, and on the, on the conversations you had, uh, or you can have a third party doing it. So outsourcing, outsourcing it. Uh, during my first 90 days at Ubank, I did it on my own, and now I'm redoing it with a third party because um, I want to get the objectivity of it uh, and I want the assessment to be um, done across the organization not just based on my own thoughts and perception. A tip for you if you use Envision which I believe a lot of uh, you do uh, get in touch with your account manager they might be able to actually um, perform a design maturity assessment of your organization for free. Okay We've talked about uh, assessing. We've talked about assessing uh, your new environment. Now let's talk about aligning uh, with your people leader and your team. Let's start with your people leader. But first, I'm going to ask you to cover your eyes because I don't think you're going to like what you see. So next up, spreadsheet. Hey, um, feels weird not having an audience. I'm just making jokes on my own. <laughs> Uh, so that's, that's basically the list of, um, of questions that I've asked uh, my, uh, my people leader during our alignment session. If we start from the bottom, you can see the questions uh, about the company, which I've touched on a little bit earlier. There's also a question about my team. As I mentioned, I've inherited a team at Ubank. Um, and there's this questions around uh, confirming expectations. I think there's a lot of value doing asking those questions because it's an opportunity to have a, a deep conversation with your people leader, talk about your leadership style, talk about their leadership styles and find some alignment there. Uh, but it's also an opportunity to know how your performance will be measured uh, and, and to ask your, your people leader, how do you define success for me? How does that look like? It's important to start with things like that. Then straight from the first 90 days book, uh, I use the first 90 days plan. Um, you can find that plan for free online. Um, it's very easy to find on Google, um, but basically it's a, you take a piece of paper, you divide it into three columns, what's one for each month. Then you've got the priorities, the goals and the outcomes for each month. You fill it in, uh, and then you uh, review it with your people leader and you align. And at the end of the month, you do another review and you move to the next month. So it's a very powerful tool for alignment. 
Um, and I highly recommend to do it until the end of the 90 days. It's very easy to get caught after 30, 40, 50 days to get caught into the day-to-day -day and forget about it. But it's actually, I found actually very valuable to do it until the end. Okay, now let's talk about aligning with your team. From the survey, 75% of respondents found aligning with their team uh, on vision, mission, and strategy to be challenging. And more than 40% struggled with individual challenges such as personality, way of working, or lack of skills. I'm sure some of you identify uh, yourself in this 40%. When it comes to aligning with your team, Obviously, building a human relationship, like building a strong relationship with your team is extremely important. But I'm not going to talk about that today. I'd like to focus on the following three points, uh, which I think are also critical. First one is when you start in your new role, you're probably going to have like a lot of one-on-ones with your team. You're going to talk about the past, the present, and the future with each of your team members, which is great. Um, I highly recommend to then synthesize that information and regroup with your team and play back what you've heard during your one-on-ones. Uh, to do that, I've used a, a marketing SWOT, strength, weakness, opportunity, and, and threats. Um, and I use that to play back what I heard and to align with the team. It worked quite well. Uh, then when it comes to align on vision, mission statements, purpose, values, um, uh, I've used the team canvas and it's, it actually worked quite well. Uh, again, that's a, that's a tool that you can find for free online um, and uh, it comes with a very comprehensive guide on how to run a session. Um, so it's an opportunity for you to actually start building that relationship with your team because what I did at UBank is I did a, a few offsites, uh, took the team offsites to fill in that team canvas. Uh, it took about a day all in all, uh, but that was a great exercise to uh, really come together and try to fill in together and uh, align on the right words, on the right uh, sentence, and it was, was good, good team bonding at the end. And at last but not least, the third point is around aligning on skills and capabilities. So that one is extremely important. I keep saying everything's important, but it is important. <laughs> um, so during your first 90 days, uh, you're going to have to identify the skills and capabilities that are required within your team in order to support your organization strategy. And in order to do that, I highly recommend to start small. There's some very fancy skills matrix out there, um, but I highly recommend that uh, actually you start small with a, a list of hard skills and soft skills, for example. That's why I did at UBank. Uh, so you just list the hard skills and soft skills per role and per level. You take that to the team. So that's what I did and we had a conversation about it. And after that, uh, I used it during my one-on-one -on -one and aligned with each individual team member um, on this uh, skills and capability matrix. And now with, with my team, I'm working on, on the next level and doing something a little bit more uh, fancy. Uh, but the thing is during your first 90 days, the reality is uh, you're going to have to work on so many different things that uh, you only be able to start with something very simple. And while you're doing all that alignment with your team, uh, this is a book I highly recommend to read. Uh, I think Lucy mentioned it uh, this morning in her presentation. 
It's radical candor from Kim Scott. Uh, Kim Scott uh, worked at Google, at Apple, and she, she wrote that book, which is not specific to first 90 days, but it's a great leadership book. And there's a lot of tips and uh, information around, for example, how to manage uh, conflict within your team. Um, so yeah, how do you recommend this book? Okay, so we've talked about assessing your new environment. We've talked about aligning with your people leader uh, and your team. Uh, after you've done all that, now it's time to act, to get into action. So during your assessment, uh, you will start identifying some uh, mid to long-term areas of improvement. And toward the end of your first 90 days, toward the end of, toward the end of your 90 days, um, you're probably going to start planning and, and starting acting on those areas of improvement, which is great. Um, for me, at Ubank, the three areas of improvement I've identified were around uh, first, bringing the team together. Um, second, like improving, improving the efficiency of the team by doing a restructure. So some of the sketches you see on the right-hand side of the slide are actually uh, part of my thought process. And the third part was to build a design system. As you can see, there are more mid to long-term um, uh, areas of improvement. The last two points on that slide talk about building up your credibility. Because the reality is that everyone is going to watch you during your first 90 days. Your team's going to watch you, your peers are going to watch you, the leadership is going to watch you. And on top of that, you're on probability. So that's for the good news. <laughs> now, what you can do about that First, be very mindful about the decision you make. For example, what worked in your what worked in your previous role or previous organization isn't necessarily going to work in your new role or new organization. Also, don't make change for the sake of making change. Um, so be very mindful. Don't jump the gun. And the last point is around securing early wins, uh, which is a, a great way to build up that credibility very fast. And that it's about um, identifying small actions that have a maximum impact and maximum visibility. At Ubank, so uh, the way I did it at the company level is I managed to do a presentation uh, during an offsite to a big part of the company uh, on behavioral economics. And people found it interesting actually. So that was a good, that was a good win. And uh, the, second, uh, the second win I had was more at the team level. I managed to, uh, by working with the team, obviously, um, optimizing the, the user testing process and making it more sustainable. And that is it. I could probably talk about this topic for a lot more time, but that's what I have for now. I'm happy to, to carry on the conversation on my LinkedIn, so feel free to reach out if you have some stories to share or questions. Uh, I just have to uh, like to have a, a look at the chat in terms of, okay, so. While you do that, Cyril, just let me say thank you very much. That was awesome. Thank you, Steve. Um, so I'm just trying to find the beginning. Okay. So, Mixed organizational understanding of design discipline and role in the strategy and execution. Yes, uh, yes, that's uh, hey Nafisa, <laughs> that's uh, that's one that's actually 
very common in the survey. I had a lot of uh, comments like that. Um, and it's linked to the maturity, the design maturity of the organization, as well as uh, alignment with, with stakeholders. Uh, sorry, I uh, maybe I remind the, the question I've asked. Uh, I've asked about uh, your most vivid uh, memory from your first 90 days uh, onboarding. So trying to build up my business and launch first product. Yeah, that's a pretty big one, Mags. People's expectations of who I am and why I am here versus mine. Yes, again, touches on alignment and design maturity. Maria, I'm leaving it right now into week four. Most memorable has been how kind people have been, uh, the support, honesty, and time. That's great. I mean, and, and that comes down to the culture, right? Uh, it's really important when you, when you choose your, the next organization you're going to work with to have a look, uh, at, uh, to have a look at that culture elements because, um, yeah, it's just so important. Figuring out how to navigate stakeholders, sign-offs, and politics of people around and above me. Yes. I think one of the most challenging things I've heard and I've experienced as well, it's being able to find the right balance between managing down, managing up, and managing across. Uh, during the first 90 days, it's, it's critical. And, and to be totally honest, um, at the beginning, I probably focused more on my team and across. Uh, and the things I had to correct during those first 90 days quite quickly is the, ma the managing upside. Um, but that was a, that was a, that, that's a good experience, but always, always challenging. Uh, leaving through remote, oh, remote onboarding process. Yeah, I heard a few. Uh, that must be quite challenging to onboard as a people leader in a remote situation. Uh, again, because there's so many contact, like so many conversations you need to have. And um, actually, that's one thing I miss the most uh, with that remote working situation is all those spontaneous conversation and, and being able to touch, uh, to touch, to get in touch with people without having to, you know, always having meeting in the calendar. Uh, that informality, I think it's quite good. Zero. Sarah, yes, good luck for, for Monday. Very exciting. Let me know how it goes. Cyril, I'll need to stop you there. Yeah, sure. But, um, please, uh, there are a couple of questions in the Q&A panel, um, or there's a question in the Q&A panel, if you could take a look. Um, and um, also, uh, you know, by all means, keep going through the, the chat and uh, responding to some of those comments there. But thank you very much. Um, really appreciate you taking the time to share that with us. Thank you. My pleasure. Thanks for having me.